Hey, welcome back, Warrior Next Door listeners. This is kind of a uh, first ever for the Warrior Next Door podcast. This is an addendum to a podcast that's being uh, featured right now on the Warrior Next Door. And I felt like being able to share some additional information that was brought up during the course of the podcast, especially episode two, um, required a bit of a sense of urgency. We didn't want to wait to just tack this on to um, um, the end of one of our upcoming episodes. We felt like this should be an addendum to this one because it's... um, it's still fresh in the mind of any listeners who may have listened to episode two in particular of the Gerard Daily podcast, where he and we talk about his role in the Battle of Los Angeles, where a Japanese sub, the I-17, uh, in February of 1942, attacked the Ellsworth oil field and created such a commotion that it led to the events the following evening for the quote-unquote Battle of Los Angeles, where basically a panicked American public created a bunch of chaos over what ultimately were American weather balloons. But in that podcast, we talked about other ways that the Japanese lashed out against the American homeland, especially following the Doolittle Raids, uh, or Raid, in 1942, where B-25s launched off the carrier USS Hornet bombed uh, Tokyo, Japan. Uh, Japan felt like they needed to have some answer for that. And what they did, a a number of things, but one of them were these balloon bombs, where almost 10,000 of these balloon bombs were sent uh, over to the United States from November of 44 until May of 1945. And in the podcast, we speak to the only casualties, the only human casualties that occurred uh, because due to these balloon bombs, and it happened with uh, the the Mitchell family and friends in the Gearhart Mountains in in Washington State. Uh, in fact, the date where the family um, would be changed forever was May fifth of nineteen forty five. Ironically enough, a few weeks after the Japanese realized that the balloon bomb effort was ineffective and they canceled it, but these balloons would take weeks to make it over to the United States, and so they were still en route and unfortunately killed uh, this members of this family. So just uh, we, what we what the question that our guest host, uh, uh, Sean Hall, uh, spoke of on the Scuttlebutt podcast, that's, that, that's the podcast that Sean Hall um, features every week, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, uh, you should. It's a great podcast featuring really topical stories about our, our nation's veterans and what they're going through, both historically and also uh, t- to this day. Um, and one of the questions he asked was, you know, what happened to um, to the Mitchell family? You know, how did Archie Mitchell, who was the pastor who lost his pregnant wife, Elsie Mitchell, and their friends, what did he end up doing uh, after this horrific incident, and so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna back up a little bit and uh, share with people what the incident was. It occurred on May 5th. It, it's written here in this amazing document um, on HistoryLink.org that was written by Dwayne Colt Denfield. He's a PhD, and this was uh, written in uh, February 6th of 2014. But in summary, he writes that in May 5th, it was a beautiful spring day, and the Mitchells took the children to Leonard Creek on Gearhart Mountain. Uh, Reverend Mitchell drove the group, uh, the church group, to a picnic area. 
He led his wife and the five children from the church out of the car to walk through the woods to a picnic site as he was looking for a parking spot. Uh, He parked and was coming through the woods as his wife, Elsie Mitchell, called out that they had found something interesting. Apparently, they tugged at the object, and a powerful explosion killed his wife, Elsie Mitchell, and Sherman Shoemaker, Edward Engen, Jay Gifford, and this is critical, Joan Patsky, that name will come in later, and Joseph Patsky. Within moments, Archie Mitchell was at the blast location, and he found his wife on fire. He put out the flames and saw the children's mangled bodies. And in the afternoon, an ordnance expert from the Lakeview Naval Air Station arrived to remove any of the remaining explosives. And also, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Bessenius, who was an intelligence officer, came from Fort Lewis in Pierce County, Washington, to secure the site, and he directed the newspaper accounts to identify the blast as an explosion of an unknown source. They didn't want to create a panic, and they were still keeping this under wraps. Well, what happened after that? That's where, we, that's where I'm trying to take you guys right now, is uh, after that, Archie Mitchell, Elsie's husband, accompanied his wife's body to Port Angeles, that's in Washington, for her funeral and burial. And she was buried in the city's Ocean View Cemetery, where a monument recalling the tragedy was erected. And on May 9th, a mass funeral for the four children was held in Klamath Falls with 450 people attending. The body of one of the victims, Sherman Shoemaker, was sent to Live Oak, California for a funeral and burial in the family plot. Well, what happened to Archie after that? His wife had uh, just died in a horrific way, along with seven several children, uh, five in total, at this picnic area by this highly improbable event, this balloon bomb from Japan. And this is where we wanted to share the rest of the story. So a few years after the war, on June 1st, 1947, Archie would end up marrying a church member uh, named Betty Patsky. Now, if you recall, there were two Patskys that died in the balloon bomb explosion. Betty was the older sister of those two bomb victims. So uh, somehow, it's not hard to imagine, they established some sort of comfort and relationship with each other uh, after some people that they loved uh, had died. And shortly thereafter, Archie and Betty left for Vietnam. On December 23rd, 1947, for two terms of missionary service to the people of Dat La. Uh, A third term assignment was to be at the Ban Mai Taut Leprosarium at Darlok Province in South Vietnam. And the Leprosarium was financed by the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, It's called the Mennonite Central Community. But here's where it gets kind of evocative again. 17 years after the World War II tragedy, In 15 years after their time in Vietnam, the Mitchells again became victims of war. If you can believe this or not, on May 30th, 1962, a force of 12 Viet Cong took Archie and two other of the staff for this missionary prisoner. And the remainder of the staff was left behind, including Betty, his wife, his second wife, and their four kids who lived in the camp. And while a prisoner, Reverend Mitchell was occasionally allowed to send letters to his family 
with the last contact coming in 1969. The United States military launched two raids to free them, but in both cases, the captives had been moved before the raids. Archie Mitchell was not heard from after 1969, and his name was not on prisoner list at the end of the war, so he was and is still presumed to have died. Betty, his second wife, continued missionary work in Vietnam. She was also taken captive, but in 1975, but fortunately she was released after six months. She returned to missionary work at Dalat School in Penang, Malaysia, where she retired in 1987 to live in North Carolina and work with Vietnamese refugees. That's most of the story. There's one more element that I wanted to share with our audience that might find this interesting. The explosion site was memorialized in 1950. The Weyerhaeuser Timber Company, Eastern Oregon Division, constructed the monument there. And the monument was made of native stone with a bronze plaque that lists the victims' names with the following statement, quote, Who died here? May 5th, 1945, by Japanese bomb explosion. Only place on the American continent where death resulted from enemy action during World War II. Unquote. The site is 13 miles northeast of Bly and is now a part of the Mitchell Recreation Area and is maintained by the U.S. Forest Service. And one more little piece of this addendum is the Mitchell Recreation Area and Monument has received a number of Japanese military veterans and civilians apologizing for their deaths. As recently as 1976, Sakyo Adachi, a Japanese meteorologist who helped design the balloon bombs, placed a wreath at the monument. Japanese students have sent six cherry trees with their condolences. And a rededication ceremony in 1995 noted the peace gestures and dedicated the cherry trees. And at the monument today, if you go there, sits a ponderosa pine that still shows the shrapnel scars from the explosion and the removal of the shrapnel. It's named the shrapnel tree. It is an Oregon heritage tree and a plaque near the tree relates its story. This concludes the addendum for the Gerald Daily Podcast. We'd like to thank again Sean Hall for being a guest on our show and remind our listeners to check out the Scuttlebutt Podcast if they have a chance and for asking the question that led to this addendum to to more fully form the story and the history behind the balloon bomb deaths in 1945. We hope everyone has enjoyed the series thus far and would like to remind our listeners that the third and final installment will drop on Monday. Until then.